Welcome back, Cal and listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 31. Cal, we talked about the public markets, and I wanted to switch gears a bit and talk about how does a specific company become public and how do they IPO? Basic understanding of an IPO, which is an initial public offering, is when a company that is privately owned decides to go into the public market. So that becomes a publicly traded company. So they go through a facilitator, let's say a bank, and they would help evaluate the value and determine what its potential value would be when it goes public. So at that moment, they would decide what the effective share price based on the number of shares that would be sold to the public. And that's when the company becomes a publicly traded company. Yeah, if everyone remembers the dot-com boom, late 90s, early 2000s, I'm pretty sure every company was going public on paper valuations. So everyone was a CEO. I heard people were paying $1,000 dinner bills in Silicon Valley with IOUs of shares, and it was kind of a frenzy. And I think at the time I had Googled this, there were about 400 IPOs at the time. And that was probably the peak. So where are we today? I think in 2019, there was 150 companies that went public. So you've seen a decline towards staying private. So why would a company go private? Elon Musk is famous for tweeting, I'm going to take Tesla private at 420. And there was a lot of controversy because he tweeted that during market hours and it caused the share price to jump 15, 20%. And at the end of it, I think he went through court and got fined, I believe, $20 million. So that's got to be one of the most expensive tweets ever, for sure. So Cal, why is that that material news has to be after market hours? And what's the obligation of a CEO to control that flow of information and not whipsaw the markets that way? Well, in Elon Musk's case, I think he was accused of trying to manipulate the stock price. And I could be wrong about this, but based on my research on the matter, I think he didn't provide enough context in why he would go private for Tesla. And I think it wasn't discussed. It wasn't necessarily agreed upon. So it was just something he said that caused a severe swing in the share price at the time. So that's, I think, why he got accused of it. Whether he can or can't is another topic. And I don't know if it would have changed much, whether he said it during market hours or after market hours. Maybe it would have. I don't know. But basically, because these could be catalysts that we spoke last time. And catalysts like tweets could be something that could affect the company. So at 420, that's the value of what he believes the company is he would buy back all the shares of Tesla. And when he buys back the shares, that's when the company goes private because there are no shares traded in the public market. Again, that's a whole different story on whether that's the right thing or whether it's going to happen or not. But some people say that he couldn't even go private without really going into further detail and that it's not his only call since it's a board decision and all of that. I don't know what the ins and outs of it would have been, but 
that's effectively what caused the whole stir. And like you said, a very expensive tweet for Elon Musk. But there are companies that actually end up going from private to public without necessarily having the specific funds. And that opens a whole new story on what's popular. Can you share more about this? My understanding of why a company IPOs in the first place is to raise capital. So you have access to a broader base of institutional investors, of retail investors, anyone who has a bank account. And I don't know if you have to be in North America necessarily, but the point of IPOing is to raise money. But the downside is that you have quarterly earnings reports, your stock price fluctuates quite a bit. And every single moment of the day, your company has a value. Whereas if you're private, no one will really see those fluctuations. So something like an Uber is worth 10, 20, $50 billion. And the early investors are happy. But if you invest it at Uber at IPO, and then it crashes to half the value, you're not going to be happy, let alone people who invested tens of millions of dollars. So there's definitely more accountability. There's more rules around how you conduct yourself, as we've seen with that hustle story. I remember Elon Musk saying he will never take SpaceX private because of the headache with Tesla. And Tesla needed the money, which is why they went public. I think they almost got acquired by Google at one point. It's really hard to build a company where you're building a lot of cars and innovating and all that kind of stuff. But with SpaceX, Elon Musk does not want to compromise the vision of going to Mars for short-term investment returns. So you have a bit of a conflict of interest when people want to make a 2x, 3x, and you might have to have public appointed board members who might not agree with you on the vision. So using that going private as an example, it's not conducive to really hard problems. So that's the issues you might run into with IPOs where, especially if you're not the founder, you're just a CEO for hire. CEOs get replaced all the time. So you have a couple bad quarters, out you go, right? So at the core level, public companies do have that risk of worrying about what's their share price. And I think Amazon is another good contrary example to that. So for years, Amazon would be in the press for losing money, not growing. But look at them now. They're worth a huge amount of money. They've got their hands in everything. And kudos to Jeff Bezos for making it happen. And that was super long-term, slow growth, very visionary. And if you have the conviction and a group of people around you who are on board for that, I think it can be very powerful. So to answer your question, Cal, there's been this thing in the news recently called an SPAC. And pulling it up on Google, it's called a special purpose acquisition company. So what is this thing? Who's done it? The point of an SPAC is to take your own company public first. So you basically can raise billion dollars. And because a lot of good companies are not going public, what if you could help these companies go public by already being public in the first place and then acquiring them. So the best example I have in the last couple of years is Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic. So this company did go public under the ticker space and I followed it for a while now. Richard Branson's a cool dude. He's trying to make space tourism happen and maybe he wouldn't have gone public otherwise. So 
who is crazy enough to help this guy go public? There's a dude I follow. His name is Chamath Palihapitiya. I think he's originally from Sri Lanka. He actually went to school in Waterloo. So shout out to the Ontario folks. And I think Elon Musk actually went to Queens too. So Cal, we really have no excuse to do something with our lives. The story is he went to Facebook, made a lot of money. I think he was head of growth for that company in the early stages and then started iterating on that, making more investments. And I think he has got his hands on a lot of stuff too, but he's got to be worth anywhere from two to $5 billion or some crazy amount of money. And if you listen to him today, he's a huge Elon Musk fan. He's a huge build the world fan and make the world better. But there's obviously some dissonance, whether it's people's view on politics or what the right answer is. I know a lot of billionaires are in the news for being quote unquote corrupt or not really caring about employees. And I'm not here to talk about that. But what I'm trying to say is, what is Jabath's vision at this point in his life? It sounds like he wants to deploy his capital. We talk about that a lot. So where do you put your dollars to grow? Deploying millions of dollars is a different task. It's not like you're deciding where to spend your last $100, right? So what he's doing is helping companies go public. And I remember reading his investor letter when he first decided to open an SPAC. And his idea was, he knows entrepreneurship. He knows how to build companies. He's been involved with a lot of them. He knows how to grow them. And he has access to talent. So he actually said, we're going to be the Navy SEALs of helping your company grow. We're going to fund you and give you the resources you need wherever you have any talent gaps or knowledge gaps. We will help you build your company if your vision is important enough. If your company matters, if you're working on a hard problem, we can help you. So it's not just a free ticket. I think going public should not be the end goal, but the idea is to help these things come to fruition in terms of space travel or healthcare is another big one. And as far as I know, he actually registered the IPO tickers A through Z on the exchanges and IPOA was, in fact, the one that got repurposed to space with Virgin Galactic. He just launched IPO B and C. I think one went to a healthcare company and these are long-term vision problems. These are 20-year problems. These are things that he wants to just get the IPO over with and then grow the companies and work on hard problems. And I know that the math eventually pays off. So the goal is to help companies who are lost in the weeds, who just are focused on building or solving really hard problems. So they don't have to worry about how do I go public? How do I do this? How do I do that? All the boring stuff. So I think since that was announced, SoftBank decided to open an SPAC next year. It's the new thing on the block. Everyone's doing it. All the cool kids are doing it. So that's basically a high-level take on how that works. Cal, does that sound about right? What have you heard? Any gaps you can fill in there for us? Yeah, I know that they've been around for a while, but they have had recent growing interest. So it's the new hot thing. And the idea is, like you said, raise the capital first then the company can effectively use these funds to grow and actually create something. The goal of what they wanted to do, I believe, is the reason behind them. And I believe those SPACs, they have a deadline. So what guarantees that the company doesn't just take the money and run is that they do have some sort of deadline that the money has to go back to the investors in two years' time if there's 
no solid foundation or progress, let's say. I don't know what the criteria would be, but I think something within those lines. So it's interesting to know that you can't just take the money and just sit on it for the next 10 years or 20 years and then say, oh, it just didn't work out. So it's a big deal. The problem is sometimes some people might think that they're evaluating company that actually isn't there yet or only exists on paper. So whether it should be valued that way or not is another topic. The idea I believe for it is that it has enormous future value potential that even if it gets valued at, let's say, $5 billion for the company, the future returns could be 10, 20 times that. So the potential is huge. And that's why I believe Chamath helps these companies go public because he believes they're worth a lot more down the line. So very exciting. And I do like the idea of them just because sometimes a company can have enormous potential, just doesn't have the funding that can help it get to where it needs to be. And I see the term blank check tossed around a lot when I come through SPACs, cool concept to think of and what these companies can potentially be. Yeah, definitely. And it'll be cool to follow up. What happens if you're sitting at home and you're saying, well, all the good companies are already grown. I don't have access to early startups. SPACs, as far as I understand, are really going pre-product in a lot of cases. And like you said, that valuation delta, the room to grow is still quite high because the check's written before the company's established. After the dot-com scare, companies would stay private longer and IPO really late. So something like Uber IPOing in the tens of billions is very unheard of 15, 20 years before, whereas companies would IPO at a lot smaller valuations, as far as I know, even in the tens of millions. So IPOing was the gold standard in the past. Going private became the gold standard 20 years later. And now you have SPACs, which is give me money, let me grow. I don't care much about the IPO terms and let us build good products. And I think that's kind of the interesting vision where just a focus on A, building cool stuff is important, but B, every retail investor now has access to growth companies. You could invest in space, put $1,000, and if they hit their milestones in 20 years, that could be worth a lot of money. So following SPACs is going to be interesting. I think I'm going to learn a whole lot by following companies early as well. And going public, it's always a dangerous game. Airbnb was in the news for wanting to go public. There's been rumors for the last two years about that. And they held off just an extra year to grow a little bit more. They've been wanting to do it for a while. There have been pre-filings, I believe. And when COVID hit, they actually had to take a huge hit in their business because who's going to rent places now? No one's moving around. Everyone's quarantining. So they might have actually missed that window of opportunity to IPO at a good number or at all. So there's definitely a bit of game theory there on timing and all that kind of stuff. So I think ultimately it's good that there's other ways to go about it so that you're not beholden to one model and one way of doing it. Yeah, it's the same way with Saudi Aramco. It's a big oil company in Saudi Arabia. So they're one of the world's largest oil companies trying to IPO for a while. And their target was to have a valuation of $2 trillion at the time of IPO. And it did take some time for them to get there. 
initially some valued it at around a trillion, some banks valued the initial public offering be around 1.3 trillion. And then I think 1.5 trillion was the final figure. And they're also looking at different exchanges, the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange. But eventually they did IPO in their local Saudi stock exchange at the one and a half trillion dollars. And because a company like Saudi Aramco is hugely affected with the fluctuation of oil prices, I think actually if they just waited a few months, they would have actually had a huge hit to their valuation. So I think they went public at the right time, all things considered. Because of COVID, it hit all the industries globally, including oil, quite a lot. And that would have affected the valuation of the company. So your right timing is crucial, but you never know really. That's the problem. Just like trying to get into a position, buying some shares for a company, you don't know if this is a good time to buy or not. You'd have an idea based on your analysis and based on your outlook and based on some historical data, but you don't really ever know if it's actually the perfect time to buy. You go with your instinct and based on your analysis, if you think it's good value for the company, considering all the current financials and plans and all of that. Yeah, definitely. And I think the amount of SPACs in the last 12 months are around 50 and IPOs are maybe 150, 200. So that's actually a huge chunk of these public companies. So it'll be interesting to see if SPACs take over as the favorite way to join the markets. So with that said, I think we'll wrap up today's episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. That was Methodical Millions, episode 31. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks everyone.